0: We geek out about board games, the mechanisms behind them, and the people who create them. I'm your host, Candace Harris, and I'm here today with Mike Murphy from the Brothers Murph. How's it going today, Mike? <laughs>
1: it's going so very well. Thank you for having me. I'm a little jealous that Nick got to be on the show first, but, you know, <laughs> uh, being a new dad, my schedule is crazy. I'm happy to finally be here and share in the love of board games with you.
0: I am so happy to have you here. Yeah, and I know, wait, Nick is... The younger brother, too, right?
1: He, Yeah. So really, so. I feel like I should have had, like, first priority for being on the podcast <laughs> as the older brother. But you know what? Listen, I had to let him have it. And uh, yeah, so well, uh, he got to be on it first.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I am the youngest child in my family. So okay. that's probably why I naturally gravitated towards Nick first. But I am Gotta still, I'm so happy to have you here today. What is new with you two?
1: Oh, my gosh. So, uh... It's been a busy start to the year. Like every year you kind of flip over the calendar. You're like, January, let's just ease into the new year. And it's never (laughs) – it's always the most busy month of everyone's doing Kickstarters and Board Game Geek. The work we do with with Board Game Geek has been just off the charts. Yes, um, busy, busy. I've been hanging on. I've just been sort of like – still re- trying to remember to write 2023 instead of 2022 amidst all the craziness so it's been busy how about for you what's what's new in your camp
0: i mean same it's it's been a busy year already i can't believe uh we are approaching february um at the time we're recording this we're just you know a few days away from february which is crazy to me also Um, but yeah, so I actually did something new in the gaming realm recently. Okay. I, (laughs) so I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I got into this, uh, TCG, this trading card game called flesh and blood recently, and it just has me so hooked still. It's kind of like a hero battler game where you do this deck building and every hero, kind of is very distinct and has its own play style and it's just really 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 cool and so I decided with uh, my friend Jordan like we were like let's go to one of these pro quest events so they do these these different competitive events where you know I think it's something like when people were well still compete in magic the gathering and stuff like that and you you can make money and I knew I knew I was like I'm probably gonna pay forty dollars to just go get whooped <laughs> yeah
1: yeah <laughs> and
0: and I did <laughs> but I got some pizza out of it and um also I nice. met I met some really cool people and I learned a lot and I did lose all of the games I played except for the one where <laughs> my opponent never showed up so I got an I do have one win in the books
1: <laughs> there you go boom but, it's a you know you got something on the record now yeah, so something yeah. To build off of
0: exactly exactly but yeah it was just it was a really cool experience because I've never competed in anything with board games or card games or anything like that and yeah, yeah I was nervous it's another
1: level yeah totally. it's 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 something to like you know be into a game whatever that might be and and like you know tcgs and really lend themselves to people that learn high level play. Oh yeah. And I imagine it's cool. Cause like you said, you got to find a, you know, a little, a few more members of the community. And then I wonder for you, if it's like, you see people doing stuff and you get to learn so much about like, totally. Oh, I did not think about this aspect of the game or this synergy between, or, totally. you know, cards or how to use this character. So yeah. that seems really fun. That's worth 40 bucks to me.
0: Totally. And there, yeah, it was just like really exciting to be in a room with 50 people that we're all yeah. like super hype about this game the way I'm hype about it, and That's yeah, so they cool. were all everybody was really cool. They're help, they're helpful and understanding. Like when you're, you know, that I'm like, hey, I've never done this before. I've only been playing for like a little under a month. You know, I'm a rookie, yeah. but I'm 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 here to just like dive in and oh. yeah, it was, so cool. it was cool. It's cool to
1: find yeah, it's cool to find a welcoming environment there as well because I feel like it can be intimidating to jump into. So yes. it's nice if the people were cool. You're like, all right, nice. Like this isn't such a, a scary thing to jump into and, and totally. uh, embrace even further.
0: Totally. And it was also kind of funny uh, related to the podcast. Um, I met this guy, Colin, there who uh, during like one of the breaks in between games, he came up to me and he was like, are you from the Board Game Geek podcast? Because he recognized my voice and I <laughs>
1: Yeah, was that's like, awesome. That's, You're like, that's, I am the podcast.
0: <laughs> that's just, it's just kind of wild because I, I know, you know, people, if I go to a board game convention, there will be some people that recognize me because of the way I look, you know, sure. I've never had somebody yeah. like hear my voice across the room and, and not know what, not necessarily know what I look like. <laughs> so yeah. That,
1: follow sound of your voice though. Yeah. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, th- so that was kind of uh pretty cool. But anyway, so yeah, that's, that's another level. That's kind of what's new uh, in my world or what was new recently. Um, Very cool. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but today we're going to talk about board games with elevating art. You know, like yes. games where the art is so good and so fitting that it enhances the experience of playing the game, you know, like where, yes. where you kind of like naturally associate the art and the gameplay.
1: Absolutely. Those are always the best when they are inseparable from each other. Um, those are always really fun. That's why I wanted to talk about this topic. I think yeah. that it's one of the best things you can do for a game is to have art that just kind of takes it to the next level.
0: Totally. And I know like you and Nick play a ton of games all the time. So I'm oh, yeah. I'm very curious to see like if we're going to have like crossovers or if I'm going to like. You know maybe learn some new get get me to buy some more games
1: (laughs) hey yeah that's always the my favorite thing to hear it's just like dang it you made me spend money now and i'm like well sorry i like what i like and if you think you like it that's great
0: (laughs) (laughs) totally totally but before before we start discussing board games with elevating art i'd love to hear what you've been playing lately mike so let's jump into fresh plays plays (laughs) (laughs)
1: plays <laughs> <laughs> so i played a couple things recently um uh, that, I've, that i've really kind of well one's kind of new to me and one is uh one i haven't played in a while and it kind of re-remembered so a game that's Ooh. new to me that's really fantastic i picked up right at the end of the year and didn't have a chance to play it until the new year is Paperback Adventures. Ah. So this is a game um, loosely related to paperback, which is a kind of a word spelling game, ultimately. We're going to have cards that have a bunch of letters on them. You're going to try to assemble the kind of best word you can. Paperback Adventures turns that kind of concept into, you can play it one or two player, but mostly it's a solo game uh, from uh, Fowers Games and Tim Fowers and Sky Larson. Oh, cool. This turns it into a... Kind of boss battling uh, adventure game where the words you spell, you can either splay to the left or the right to get a bunch of icons that will help you deal out damage or give Whoa. you defense and block and stuff like that. And it's very much, very much inspired and openly so, inspired by Slay the Spire, oh, which is a game cool. that I really enjoy. So awesome. you're going to be getting better cards, upgraded cards. You can get MacGuffins, which are kind of like relics that give you kind of game breaking powers. And you kind of go against uh, harder and harder lackeys and then bosses as you travel through books. Um, uh, You are, the the kind of theme (laughs) of the game is that you're a writer with writer's blocks. You're thinking up like different adventures and that's the thing that you're doing, but you're spelling, using words to kind of power up attacks. It's super cool.
0: That sounds awesome.
1: It's, It's so fun and so weird and different. And I love Slay the Spire. And so a game that's like so, you know, uses so much of that DNA... Uh, into like a word spelling game, it's just like epically what? fun. Yeah. it's so cool,
0: well, that sounds really cool, and I think I do remember paperback as well is that yeah. is that a deck builder?
1: Yeah. It's It's a a, deck building kind of word spelling game. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes a lot of those elements, the art style and everything like that, and kind of turns it into a splay the spire, they say, where it's all about when you (laughs) develop a word, you splay it to the left or the right to get certain icons and to be able to buy stuff. There's so much fun. There's different characters you play as you have like a kind of a core box. And then each of the three characters have different kind of Focuses, different kind of, uh, I played the damsel. There's a bunch of like poisoning of people and stuff like that. Um It's really fun. And I like kind of like word spelling games. Yeah, and so sure. uh it's been perfect to play. And as a solo game, you kind of sit there and just think about what you want to spell and what you want to do with that word.
0: That is awesome. And yeah, yeah. it sounds very, very different too. I'll, I'll have to check that out.
1: Yeah, it's really fun. It's a good kind of solo adventure. That's paperback adventures. But what's something that you've played recently?
0: Oh my goodness! So <laughs> I I think it was Tuesday night. Uh, I went to a game night with the uh, the the folks from the Game Brain podcast, and nice. uh, yeah, and I ended up playing my friend, my good friend Ben, <laughs> broke out Brick and Mortar. And okay. brick and mortar was a game that he's talked about. I didn't hear. I, I may have heard some other people talk about here and there, but it's a 2021 release from Nicholas J McCollum, and okay. uh, I believe his publishing company Octograph Games, like Octopus and Giraffe. <laughs> a giraffe game, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Uh, it's it's a supply and demand market manipulation game for two to four players where we're basically like retail investors. We're opening different shops in our own neighborhood and we're trying to supply them with inventory. Then we're trying to sell that inventory and make as much money as we can so then we can buy victory points and hopefully win the game. Mm, (laughs) Um, Okay. Yeah, but it's cool because each, uh, each player has their own player board that is like you know kind of representing your block on in a neighborhood and it's got a space for these four kind of oversized shop cards and there are all these different types of shops and there are i think it was five different types of goods like you could have food clothing electronics jewelry or art and they're you know different colors and the goods are actually just represented with like little wooden cubes um sure 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 But each round you play through, I think it's like eight different phases and you just keep going, keep going until the end of the game is triggered, either when Hmm. this calendar kind of hits the end of the year or if one player goes uh, hits 35 points, that also kind of trigger the end of the game. Okay,
1: it's so a little bit of a race to that. Yeah, then,
0: yeah. Oh, oh yeah, totally. So like the first thing you do each round is you can build. So you'll have a hand of shop cards that you start with, but there's also like a card market that has I think like five face-up shops. And hmm. you could either just pay the cost and build one from your hand onto your player board, or if you want one of the ones in the card market, you have to uh, bid for it. So whatever, oh. <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever the starting cost is, like maybe it's a $10 jewelry shop, you know, if I want that jewelry shop, I say, uh, I'm gonna bid on this for 10 and then it goes around the table and people can, you know, they can just screw me over if they want and up bid <laughs> it, up bid it because they know I want it, you know, or yeah, they, right. they or maybe they want it and we're like really in a bidding war. But yeah, so everybody gets the opportunity to build an extra building in the building phase. Then there's like this advertisement phase where you have these market cards, and these market cards are small cards that have a certain amount of squares representing uh, different goods. So you might have like four green boxes, meaning that's for food, and two two yellow boxes underneath. That means it's two jewelry. And what you do is everybody has a screen that you use mainly just for this phase, but you're going to take two of those cards, and you're either going to put them face up and or face down behind the screen. So you have like a hand of, I think there are, you might have a hand of four or five cards that you're choosing from. Okay. And if you put the card face down, that means it's going to be a demand card. And we're not going to reveal until it's time to sell goods, like what people's demand cards are. And if you put it face up, that means it's going to be supply, which is going to help supply all of our stores, all of our shops, you know, before we sell. So, or you you can put them both face down or you can put them both face up, you know, Mm. it's kind of up to you. And then when everybody's done that simultaneously, we reveal. (gasps) Uh, (laughs) What everyone do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And then there's like a supply phase where um, you'll take anybody who had face up cards, You'll just kind of supply the main board. There's uh, an area, I guess you can consider it like a warehouse or something for each of the five different types of goods. So, you know, like I said, if I had a card that had four green boxes and two yellow, I'm going to put four cubes in the food section. I'm going to put two yellow cubes in the jewelry section. Then after everybody does that for any of their supply cards, then we're going to supply our shops. So our shops can hold a certain amount of different types of goods you know there's some shops that maybe have clothes and electronics and some that just have food you know <laughs> it just kind of depend and all the shops like they can they have different effects and you know there's lots of cool stuff with the you know yeah. the strategy of choosing which shops to have right. but then but then basically what happens is let's say let's say everybody at the table has a food shop and we all have room to take three food cubes but there are only a total of two food cubes out there then we all have to take our little player dials and we have to pick a price higher than what you would normally pay well you could you don't have to go higher like say for example like the food usually like if you buy from the supplier it costs one dollar well now that there's not enough supply for all of us we have to secretly decide how much we're gonna pay to do that, and then we reveal, Ugh. yeah, and then whoever picks the highest is gonna actually get to go first. Like, there's a priority order for getting to do it, so not everybody will get to do it. So anyway, mm. then you go to the like a selling phase and you re- re- reveal the demand cards, and the demand cards now, they have boxes, and this is the what the customers want. So if you oh. and I both, I'll give you an example, so my my friend Paul and I we both had jewelry that we were trying to sell. And mm-hmm. he was in a position where he just like really needed money and jewelry pays like 18 usually if there's enough demand and you you could just sell it for 18 bucks which is huge.
1: <laughs> but big time.
0: But because of the way we played our demand cards, there was only demand for one jewelry. So him and I had to take our little dials and say how much are we going to sell our jewelry for? And whoever, yeah, yeah. Whoever picked the lowest is going to get to sell first. So (laughs) it was so stressful. And I went back and forth in my head, like how low do I make this so that I make some money, but then I beat Paul because if I did not sell my jewelry I didn't mention this, but your shops have an aging process. So each round they kind of ah. tick down and I was going to lose that jewelry. It's worth 18 bucks, you know?
1: Oh man, this thing's been collecting dust on the shelf yeah, for too long. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You got to move that product.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what it is representing thematically. Uh. So anyway, we reveal our dials and I set mine to 10 and Paul did 11. So oh, wow. I got to stuff. Yeah, discount. we yeah. went for deep discounts, and like we both kind of like sat there for two or three minutes trying to figure out like, <laughs> hmm, like what is he gonna do? Like how we were so close, but in the end, I ended up getting to sell my jewelry. Um, but uh, yeah, so then you like age your goods, and you have to pay maintenance on your buildings. But then at mm. the end of the round, you get the opportunity to spend money for points. So there's like a conversion. Like I think if you spend four bucks, you can get one point. And then uh, 10 bucks, you can get two points or whatever. But that is the only opportunity you have to like really buy points. But you have to be thinking about, I need money next round to buy supplies so I can sell again. So it's like there's a lot you kind of have to factor in. But anyway- it was just so cool. I love the player interaction in it it kind of reminded me of Arkwright Light. Like I don't know if you've ever played Arkwright before.
1: I have not, but but it's
0: it's it's really good. If it's but. like
1: this, I'm interested. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's really good. It's it's hard and it takes a lot longer to play from my one experience. Sure. But um but yeah, this is this is brick and mortar. Um so I I'm, I, I, assume try- yeah, I'm, I assume you haven't tried yeah I assume you haven't tried it. No, but
1: I want to. I love the idea of. I'm not always super into high player interaction, but like this kind of thing with like markets and stuff. It's not like directly like you're not having direct conflict per se. Right. I love the idea of like, I'm just going to undercut your business by selling this jewelry for nothing, you know, <laughs> and like, but you, you need it to make some sense for you to yeah, get to pay yeah, to sure. get it. So I love decisions like that where you're like, I guess I can go here with this, but I right. really need the money. And I'm just looking at it now and I love the look of it, but the whole, uh, everyone playing stuff to a general supply right I, and and maybe there's a lot of juicy decisions there i don't want to give you know a bunch of electronics if i'm not selling any exactly I don't flood the market with this for everyone else you know exactly so interesting stuff for sure
0: yeah so then there's like the whole hand management thing of well which cards right. which advertising or market cards do i play because sometimes you do to get what you want out there you have to put stuff like Ben ended up being the only person with an electronic shop for like the first half uh, of the game. And there yeah. kept being electronics. So he would make like $48 selling his four electronics. No
1: competition whatsoever. Yeah, That's for the price,
0: baby. Yeah. So anyway, I just, I just like thoroughly enjoyed it. And I ended up like the next day, um, telling my partner Matt about it. And I told my friend Jake about it. And I was like, wow, I really like this game. Like, you know, the more I'm telling stories about what happened, like we had a great time playing it. So I ended up buying it for myself. A little,
1: ah, nice. a little treat
0: yourself. <laughs> I haven't bought a game in a while and I've been trying to kind of call you my collection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Treat myself That's, to
1: one. I'm looking at it now. I'm going I'm to try to track this down. This seems super awesome.
0: I, uh, I, uh, I like- think you'll dig it.
1: Yeah, the whole like, kind of market manipulation type stuff is is uh, not as fun in real life, but in here, you know, there's not no one's actually getting hurt by it, so it's kind of a good time. Yep,
0: for sure. So yeah, that that's, that's brick cool. and mortar. Uh, what else have you Very been playing nice. lately, Mike?
1: All right, so I talked about I was playing something new, then uh, a game that I, I, pl- you know, it hasn't been that long since I played it, but it's been a minute. Was Tuantin Suyu the Inca Empire Ooh. and specifically the Golden Age expansion, which oh, cool. uh offers up i think four modules you can play with there's kind of a, a reconfigured solo mode and then a few other modules to kind of add to the game add some layers add some different things to uh kind of consider so twin City is one that we've been it's from board and dice and it was out in 2020 from uh, david turtsey and um C was one that when i first came across and I played it on like Tabletopia (laughs) which for me sometimes can be good and sometimes I just can't quite quite grasp what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because it's in the digital space and stuff. And so I played it and I was completely overwhelmed. David Tursey has a mind that's just on a different level, made like anachrony <laughs> and stuff. Like, right. I don't know. Right. That, that dude can see numbers and stuff in a way that I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so you see this board in see you. that's like got a million and one options of where you can place your different workers and all these symbols and things. And when I finally got to play it physically and you have the cards in hand, which will tell you like you're going to play this God card, which gives you a certain symbol and then it kind of starts to make more sense about, you can start to see what your options are a little better. So over the last couple of years now playing to Want and see you, it's kind of risen the ranks to become my favorite of what we would call like the, the tea, tea games. games from board and dice, <laughs> right? Te- Teotihuacan and stuff is also way up there for me, but this one for both my brother and I has just really gotten a hold of us. It's so fun to play. You are uh, placing these workers out onto what is ultimately this big hill Uh, And you have your kind of high priest at the top of the hill and they're kind of moving around in a little mini rondelle. And then you can place your workers out on these kind of different sections of the hill. And stuff. so long as you can pay the food costs, because if they go all the way to the bottom of the hill, I guess we'll call it a mountain. It's quite a a ways (laughs) away for them to walk. They need food for their journey all the way down the mountain. Uh, And you are trying to build up resources, build buildings. There's a temple track you can work up. There's um. Uh, you know you can do little conquests against kind of neighboring nations and stuff in a very abstracted kind of way um and it's just really fun to try to figure out like how to eke out as much as you can with a meager amount of resources and the expansion adds some really fun stuff where the color of workers you put out matters if you have a uh, a white worker a little white colored meeple uh it's like a priest and they can do like a bonus action ah, and you can ah. you know pay a potato to do another task <laughs> and stuff that's surrounded by your where you place your worker and things like that and and stuff like that and on, in the expansion you have these like hybrid workers so now they're two colors so when you place them you get to choose which color they Ooh, are
0: that's cool uh, which
1: gives you even more ways to kind of work everything yeah so like stuff like that like oh this is awesome it's <laughs> like more flexibility and there's a whole new building type which you can put those uh you can populate with meeples so it helps you get those colorful the multicolor workers and stuff and so in a game that already is not hurting for options now there's even (laughs) more stuff to consider but it wasn't overwhelming and so i was like man how did you do that where it's just like kind of to me with expansions they're always the best if it's kind of like you can take it or leave it.
0: Right, right, right. Like
1: if, like if you didn't want to get the multicolor workers in the game, you're not going to be hampered. You're not going to like not be able to win. Right, right. So it, it can engage with it as it makes sense for you and your brain and your kind of thought process, uh, which I was like, that is so nice. Thank you for cool. doing that because <laughs> this game has plenty enough for my little feeble brain to kind of like focus <laughs> on. But um, it just reminded me like why I enjoy it so much. It's just – there's a million and one things going on, but they all fit together nicely in a way that is somehow understandable. Yeah, and I, I'm like, sure. I don't know how you did that, where I can follow this when seemingly there's a million different things to track. So I think it's quite a feat. So it's wanting to see you, the Inca Empire, and that new expansion. It's just, oh, uh, chef's kiss. It's just uh, why it's my favorite tea game, I guess, right
0: there. That's cool. And did the expansion yeah. just come out last year or when when was it? Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, the expansion came out this last year, um, so we picked it up also at the end of the year um, at Pax Unplugged. Um, yeah, so it's it's fairly new, and I don't, you know, I think it's now kind of available in stores and things, but awesome. I think that's only kind of recently because obviously, in the you know the last few years, there's been so many kind of production delays, shipping delays, and stuff. But it's it's out there now, which is um, one I highly recommend if you like to want and sue you get that expansion and. Just more to explore. And you can add in as many or few modules as you want. So again, it's kind of add the parts you dig, ignore the parts you don't. Sure. And I love modular expansions. Yeah. Yeah. It's this
0: great. this is one where I think I had the same first experience as you on uh, Tabletopia. And yeah. uh I remember liking, but I also like right at the same time uh Tekenu came out and i just yeah. ended up playing more to kenyu and i really don't have much experience with this one i love david Tertzy's, like games and it's yeah. just this is kind of like something i've been wanting to jump back into because i really liked what i saw but i think for whatever reason because of timing and whatever was going on in my life at the time these both both these games were coming out i had just focused more on to kenyu but yeah. you are making me want to uh, bust this one back out and yes. yeah, revisit it's it.
1: It's the best. Cool. <laughs> I definitely played a lot of Takenyu early on as well, but then now Twansea is taken over. So, and it's here to stay.
0: <laughs> very, very cool. So, I also recently played uh, Twilight Struggle Red Sea Conflict in the Horn of Africa. Okay. Tell and, me about that. Yeah. So, this is, are you familiar with Twilight Struggle?
1: I am. I am. So is this an expansion or is this like a standalone situation? I had not heard of this um, specific version. This, this
0: is a standalone kind yeah. of zoomed in scope version that is in GMT cool. games uh lunchtime series where they're doing these like kind of quick playing low complexity oh. games where you can play this in an hour. So uh, and this is also, by the way, designed by Jason Matthews, published by GMT games Um I think it was released in 2023, or maybe it was technically out oh, so at the is, end of 2022. Kind of... Yeah, okay it's, okay, it's
1: brand new then.
0: It's it's super new, um, and it's a if you're not familiar, Twilight Struggle, um, because this is kind of like a mini me version of Twilight Struggle. But it's a yeah. card driven, political, historical strategy game. Twilight Struggle plays with two players, but uh, this version, Red Sea, can play solo as well. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so um, and just to also shout out the original Twilight Struggle was designed by Ananda Gupta and Jason Matthews together. um, There was a co-design and that came out in 2005 and it just kind of rocked people's worlds because I'm pretty sure it was like number one on BGG for a while.
1: I think it was. It was right up there. And I mean, where is it now? It's still way up there (laughs) in the top hundred. It is a
0: great game, but it's like. It's not. It's for- at fourteen, so it hasn't okay. slid
1: very far. <laughs> okay,
0: it, it it's a it's an incredible game, um, but yeah. not everybody has the stomach for a game that could take more than three hours easily, more than three yeah. hours. So I'm really glad that they um, they made this version that you can kind of get the Twilight struggle experience in an hour.
1: That's so cool. I am one of those people that um i don't have a lot of experience with like kind of war games and stuff i mm-hmm. have played twilight struggle once mm-hmm. and it wasn't my favorite simply because it is long and it is tense it's like you so have, tense you, you know what i mean it's yeah. not like three hours of like chilling on a and going for a stroll it's like no 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 no, you got to pay attention so i'm really excited at the prospect of something that gives you that feeling yes. game wise but shortens it down and makes it a little less. Um, it's, more <laughs> yeah, it's more
0: digestible. Yeah, it's more digestible. So so this version takes place in uh, 1974. Again, it's still the Cold War. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I guess there was a socialist military coup in Ethiopia that kind of shook alliances and strategic balance in the Horn of Africa during the Cold War. And Interesting. one player is going to play as the US and the other player is going to play as the Soviet Union. And you only play two turns in this game. What? Uh, yeah. You only play two turns, and the goal is to have the most victory points. But it could actually end earlier, like if somebody gets to ten points, or if the death contract gets too low, where you know one player caused yeah. a nuclear war, the other player wins. <laughs> um, right, right. And there are also like these scoring phases that get triggered. So when the Africa scoring phase triggers, if uh, one player has control of a certain uh, set of different countries uh they you can automatically win the game that way too
1: interesting but
0: the the general flow of the game is uh so i said two turns each turn you're gonna start with a hand of nine cards and okay these cards are mostly event cards like they'll have an event on them and they'll have an ops value and some of them are going to be u.s events some of them are going to be um, Soviet Union events, and some of them are going to be neutral, which are, you know either player could technically trigger. Um, and then they'll have an hmm. ops value or operation points value of like I think it ranges from one to three, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But you're going to be playing cards on your turn, and you're either going to trigger the event on the card if it's with your faction or your country. Or you can uh, use the ops value, which like if I use an ops two, I can spend that to do something else like uh, beef up my influence in a country or try to, um, you know, uh, do a realignment role and reduce one of my or one of my opponents, <laughs> reduce my opponent's <laughs> influence in a region or make a coup attempt and like really try oh. to like get them out <laughs> of um, certain countries And because, you know, ultimately, it is kind of an area influence uh, struggle that you're like in this tug of war, a very, very tense card play. Because if I if I'm playing the US and I have cards in my hand that have um, that are Soviet Union events, um, that means if I'm playing against you, Mike, when I play that card for the ops, you're going to get the opportunity to trigger that event. So right. And it's like that feeling of having your opponent's cards in your hand and giving them the opportunity to trigger the event. Like you're always trying to, like, hold on to them till maybe that event isn't going to be effective or something. Um, But like, yeah, there's just like, you know, this is why the game is called struggle, I'm sure, because every time (laughs) you, you get your hand of cards, it's like such a tense struggle um, but besides the event cards, there are also these scoring cards. Well, just two scoring cards, um, one that's an Africa scoring card and one that's a Middle East scoring card. Um, and okay. you don't know necessarily if a player has that card in their hand. So there's this tension of like, hmm, do they have that Africa scoring card or is it still in the deck? You know, when are they gonna trigger yeah. it? Oh, I see them like building up their forces in Ethiopia, like what's going on? You know. So there's like there are lots of like little things going on in your mind um as you're kind of, you know, playing there's through. There's a lot this. to consider. There's so much to consider. The map for Twilight Struggle is just huge. Yeah, I think it's like a world map pretty much, you know, so this one is just kind of uh, two regions, Africa and the Middle East, and each region has, you know, a certain amount of countries where you'll be able to add um, influence and they're just little cardboard chits or tokens.
1: Right. So you kind of who has the. uh,
0: Yeah, so you're going to be trying to like, (laughs) exactly, you're going to be trying to get control um, of these different regions uh, or prevent your opponent from having control of too many regions, you know, and hopefully position oh. yourself well for when a scoring card is triggered. But mm-hmm. but you also have like the Space Race track, which is awesome, that, you know, is also in the original Twilight Struggle game. Um, and then you have, again, the DEFCON track that tells you the DEFCON status, you, you know. Right. So uh, that, like the closer it gets to a nuclear war, it impacts other things in the game, other actions in the game. And then you also have the headline phase where, you know, after you have your your hand of nine cards, you're going to pick one card face down simultaneously and then you're going to reveal them and you're going to trigger the events on them. So that's another like Mm. just kind of tough decision of like which card to use for that. But anyway, I think like this is awesome like the fact that you can have a twilight struggle experience on your lunch break like in an hour or maybe maybe even less you know this is like a great way for new people who have ever like if you've ever been curious to try twilight struggle but super intimidated by the look of that crazy (laughs) big board and like how long it takes like this is this is a great way to learn it or to play it on a weeknight you know multiple times And it still, it still has the same tension. I'm telling you, like.
1: Yeah, it seems like it keeps all that kind of core of Twilight Struggle perfectly intact and just really does do what you said about like zooming in on a specific area. Yep. And because of that, it it can be scaled down in terms of time because you're going to be able to suss out, you know, who's going to kind of control that area a lot quicker than who's going to control the world. Right. And Twilight Struggle. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And the fact that you can solo this has actually got me hope. And it's also I'm not going to lie, Candace, you're talking about it. I started looking it up. And it's pretty affordable. You're getting like,
0: it. You're getting it. Order it. Do I it. I might.
1: I know. I <laughs> yeah. know for a fact that Nick will have no interest in playing it. But if I can sell it with, I don't need him anyway. I can just it, exactly. you know, I can take down the Soviets myself. He,
0: he, he <laughs> might like it. He might like it.
1: He might do. The fact that it's so much shorter, I think, will yeah. be a huge – You know, because something like a Twilight Struggle is daunting to get it's into. It's very daunting. And it's, yeah it's big and it's heavy and and like knowing those event cards and stuff can be really important because you might right. just accidentally hand somebody a really advantageous position. And so being able to get those reps in, like you talked about, like maybe in a night I could play two or three times.
0: Exactly. Switch sides. I mean, that's a great,
1: yeah, that's, it's not such an undertaking every time. That's really cool.
0: Yeah. And then like the other thing that's really awesome about how they kind of made it more accessible is like on the board, you know, besides the fact that the map is way smaller and zoomed in, yeah. um, on the board, you also, on both sides of the board, you have kind of a player aid for every, like, action that's kind go. of complex. Like, different, like, there's so much <sighs> good so reference cool. material printed directly on the board. Um, I think it's really well done. And, you know, this is a game I was going to get and play anyway, but I'm actually going to be uh, next week interviewing uh, Jason Matthews for an episode of Cardboard Creations uh, to, oh, to cool. feature this game. And I'm like really, really excited to um, talk to him about it. And, you know, just like what went on in his mind from from create, or from them, him and Ananda originally creating Twilight Struggle to getting here and making this like more accessible, quicker playing version of it.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of cool to see it like so long after um... – twilight circle came out The it came out like 2005, 2005 or something so it's yeah. like you know way later yeah a that shows like the, the staying power of that kind of game people have played and love it and discover it, it constantly yeah. still um it's cool to be like hey here's some new content that stands on its own so for sure maybe it might bring in a whole new generation of people that are into you know gmt kind of war games and stuff it's very yep.
0: cool yep yep and this is not a war game, even though it's like, it's more of a political. A Cold War game. Yeah, it's a, it's a Cold War game. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> Just in it's case that ish. scares anybody off.
0: It's more of an not the influence, level push and pull kind of game. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, exactly, exactly.
0: Cool. So should we talk about some board games with elevating art, Mike?
1: It's my favorite thing. I'm absolutely down. Again, art to me is just it can it can help so much for a game and it can hinder so much for a game as well. I think it's so crucially important for kind of bringing totally. at least for me into a game and helping reinforce like how this game works and stuff so when art is really done well it can elevate a game it can prop up a game it can take stuff next level yeah Uh, yeah yeah i'm all in
0: (laughs) i i totally agree and um i don't know about you but i i picked five games and i have like an honorable mention my games are not really in a particular order but i will say the the last one that i'll mention is the first one that came to mind
1: okay if that
0: means anything but um but yeah these are all just this was hard. I I had a bunch, and I kind of had to like narrow down because again, I'm trying not to like let this episode be like three hours or something crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to consider though in terms of like when it elevates. You know, are are you saying that like it just again takes the next level? That is sort of a a game that's there, but the art really kind of sustains it. And that's the best thing about it. There's a lot of things and ways you can kind of approach it. So I'm really curious to hear your picks. Sure, year, if you Have any sure. of the same ideas? Yeah. Yeah.
0: E- yeah, exactly. Like we might have gone in complete different directions with this or. I don't know. Yeah. We- we'll-, we'll find <laughs> out. So I'll, yeah. I'll just, do you have any honorable mentions?
1: I do. I have one. Okay. Um, you go first. It's really just a way to sneak in a sixth choice.
0: <laughs> I know. I know we're gamifying Um, this that's (laughs) what
1: we're like you do my honorable mention is gonna be everdell um uh, it's got you know it's by andrew bosley uh art wise and i feel like everdell really you know along with like wingspan there's a few games around this time but everdell really ushered in like a whole era of games of like cozy games Mm. of like cute Animals doing like human things games.
0: Right, right.
1: I I mean, I can't really see so many other games existing if Everdell wasn't done. You know what I mean? And like that art has really sustained through several expansions, a big collector's box. Um I just I, I feel like it's a fine enough game. You know, tableau building, worker placement stuff, that's great and everything. But like if it didn't have the theme it has, this game to me does not make a mark. Like it does it's, but it's captured people completely because the world is just so beautifully rendered.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of course
1: I want to make constructions and bring critters into those (laughs) constructions and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's everything for me with that one. So that's my honorable mentions Everdell. It's just, Ah, I can't that can't imagine what that game would be without that without that theme and those that art <laughs>
0: that's really that's really really cool yeah people love Everdell this is one that like I've only played once Ugh, I love the components I love that giant tree and everything and oh yeah yeah I didn't even like really think about it too much because I've only played it once and I actually sure, sure like I kind of had a lukewarm experience with it where I like didn't sure. didn't love it um, but I know so many people that do love it. So it, it's one that I would be happy to like revisit at some point. But sure. I 100% yeah. agree with you in terms of you're right. Like the the art and the feel of it really adds a lot. So that's it. That's Absolutely.
1: A like it's a it's a game that I'm kind of with you now. It's not, not anything bad. I've just sort of played it enough. Mm-hmm. But like I will always be interested in Everdell and Everdell stuff because of that art. Like, and so, like that's pretty strong,, <laughs> you know, if it kind of keeps you thinking about it, uh, even if the the gameplay itself is sort of <laughs> left your mind a little bit,
0: yeah, yeah, totally, totally, good one. So I have one honorable mention as well, and uh that is inish, um
1: yeah, oh, yeah, remember hit.
0: inish uh <laughs> yes. man, inish has got the coolest
1: art right, style, right,
0: right? so, um, oh, yeah, that's a good choice inish is a like an area majority card drafting game with minis that's kind of set in this celtic celtic kind of world and you're competing yes. to become the king of the island and you have all these well number one the yeah the cover is amazing but you have yes. these big like oversized cards that you'll be drafting that have this like really awesome kind of uh illustration that has a celtic flair it almost looks like it's psychedelic um but it
1: really <laughs> it, it is trippy a little it, bit, yeah, yeah
0: it really it really grabs you but then there're also um the tiles like the the t- the territory tiles that you're yes. building out like they have beautiful art as well and to me I ever since I like first played that game and saw it like it just really really captivated me and you know making this list and having this come back up reminds me that I need to bring this back to the table at some sure. point. Um, and I will just say the, the artist um, is Jim Fitzpatrick. And uh, mm. the person who did the territory tiles is Dimitri uh, Belok, And nice. Inish is designed by Christian Martinez and published by Madago games. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's my honorable mention. And again, it's, it's something that, you know, this list has inspired me to like break that back out.
1: Uh, I love it.
0: Yeah, because the other... That's
1: a great pick. The,
0: <laughs> thank you. The The other cool thing about it is, like, it has multiple, um, like, different victory conditions. So I love games that have different victory right. conditions because it really, like, keeps you on your toes. Like, you have to, like, watch what other people are doing you have to kind of bluff a little bit and don't be obvious about what you're doing and then boom (laughs) victory
1: (laughs) boom there you go yeah the one time i played it i did not win but uh it was really cool in the art yeah it was like just so rad to look at the cards yeah there's a lot of stuff to consider in that game that game is is pretty wild i'd love to to revisit it for sure
0: totally okay um so now we're done with our honorable mentions let's get to the main list you you go first. List. You go first. Okay.
1: All right. You got it. Um, I'm gonna choose uh, Dreadful Meadows. Huh. This is a new game that isn't out quite yet. It was on Kickstarter, I think, around you know in the fall, around Halloween. It has kind of a Halloweeny theme, and this is what is so awesome about this game. The whole production really is just adorable. This is a game where you are making candy. Uh, your different kind of candy makers and you are going to be kind of drafting these tiles that will uh, be kind of valued one through five. And based on whatever value they are, one, you know, twos and stuff, you will produce a different kind of candy. If you do a kind of like production action on that space. Uh, and what you're trying to do is produce this candy to fulfill contracts. The candy itself is also your money, which you can use to buy more patches, which increase your field. So you're kind of candy farming and it's set in this kind of, You know, almost Tim Burton-y, but, you know, friendlier, I'll say, art style, Ah. where there's a character, the main character is this kind of like pumpkin-headed person who's a little bit Jack Skellington-ish and stuff, and, uh, you know, another person's like this person who's just a big eyeball for a head and stuff, but it's very kind of cutesy and approachable and fun, Uh, and so it's a perfect game for kind of evoking like a Halloween feel, but still being um you know, not, not scary. Uh, And I love, and I'm just so enamored with the fact that we're just like these, like, you know, yeah. candy makers and stuff and growing candy on farms and like supplying it to the people and making everyone happy and stuff. Oh, wow. And the fact that like the kind of very colorful, vibrant Halloween aesthetic Uh, to me, I'm like, this is now in like evergreen game that I'll play around that time of year, probably every year in perpetuity, you know, more. <laughs>
0: very uh, cool. And
1: like, yeah i was just captured by far by the art ultimately a kind of a light but thinky you know like puzzly kind of game not too heavy very accessible but that art really just hammers it home and makes it just so charming so that's dreadful meadows um it's got art by paul and claire tobin um it's by arcus games um and lucas adams is a designer and so it'll be one coming out this year and um Perfect Halloweeny game, love it so much.
0: Very cool. I I hadn't heard of that one, but I looked it up yeah. while you were, you were talking about it, and yeah, it looks it looks really cool.
1: It's got some good stuff going on. Yeah.
0: Awesome, awesome. So uh, the first one I'll bring up is Tricarion Legends of Illusion. Ooh, yeah, good call. yeah. Tricarion is a mind clash game uh, designed by Richard Amon and Victor Peter. And the art was done by Velo Farkas. And um, okay. yeah, this is a heavy worker placement game for two to four players where you're playing as a stage illusionist and you're trying to learn different tricks and perform magic shows. Yeah. And to me, the uh, it's a great game. It's a great game. Um, but the art and the, the vibe of the, the artwork and the illustration on the board and the color palette and everything it just really hits it home and it makes me feel like I am in the prestige, the movie exactly. the prestige. Which That's I'm exactly like exactly what I was gonna That's, say. Yes. That's it. And like there's so much detail to the different like worker placement locations. And then yes. there's even on part of the board, uh, there's a big like theater kind of where you have the stage where you go to actually perform the tricks. Right. Or the illusions, <laughs> but uh, it's it's just like it's a really great game. It is heavy if you're you know, um, right. it's it's not for the faint of heart. But yeah, if you're if you like very like thematic feeling games, the art on this one just kind of really really elevates it for me.
1: Yeah, it does a really good job of giving that dated. You know, in the early days of kind of stage magic stuff. Yeah. Um, like you said, the the prestige is perfect. It feels like it's from that era. It looks like it's from that era. Um, and it's kind of cool to see games do that. Where, Like, this is one I would describe as making beige beautiful. Yes. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, I know
0: exactly what you mean. Yeah.
1: It's not automatically an ugly game. It looks like it's kind of from the past. And it sort of has that... <sighs> Uh, you know sepia tone to it or something right. that kind of it just makes us think of like old timey stuff but does it really well and it, you're right this it is packed with detail and and they still manage to keep the worker placement spots clear right which is right not easy to do necessarily but you can see the whole town behind all these spaces ah such yeah, a cool it, looking game it
0: really it really sucks you in um and that is tricarion and a uh, clash games which came out in 2015 wow
1: very nice yeah that's older now yeah here we go um <laughs> very well done uh my next game is a game that usually that uses the art as the central thing you're doing is making art this is canvas oh uh, canvas nice. came out in 2021 um it's by designers Jeff Chin and Andrew Nerger uh Luann Hin did the art um and from road to infamy infamy games um this is a game where you are painting canvases you're painting art and you have these semi or these translucent cards that will have little bits of art so it might just have one little feature kind of in the foreground or a card that provides the background and you're kind of ultimately doing set collection stuff Mm -hmm. because uh, certain cards will provide certain icons or colors and things and you're trying to have your once your painting is complete, you stack together a certain amount of these cards together into a sleeved, um, and ultimately a sleeved card to complete your painting. You want to have certain things showing certain things being avoided to kind of score the most kind of influence and points, um, but what's so cool is that you, by putting this one element of these cups that are in the foreground and this tower that's in the background and a person observing the tower, you can mix and match stuff and create unique pieces of art. That's
0: so cool. Based on
1: the cards that you kind of draft. And I think that is so that's cool so that cool. like.
0: You're making art. A game art. with amazing art.
1: Yeah, a game with amazing art where you are making art, and you can take art that exists and make new art with it based on which cards you combine with which other cards. I think that's beautiful. I think it's so cool. The art style is wonderful, and there's just not that many games that are about making art, right. and this game facilitates it. So you feel kind of creative because you put together something that like looks really rad. And you know that's kind of uniquely yours. You might be the first person to put that exact combination of cards together. So
0: Awesome. Um, it
1: makes me feel like an artist when I play. And <laughs> Canvas is just oh, it's it's hard to beat. There's not many games that are more pretty than it.
0: <laughs> awesome pick. Awesome pick. That's a yeah. good one. That's a good one. Thank you. So my next game is Cloudspire.
1: Oh, good call! So, Cloudspire is cool looking. So
0: yeah, like this this is kind of a, a subtle, more subtle one. But Cloudspire is a game from Chip Theory Games. It came out in 2019, designed by uh, Josh Carlson, Adam Carlson, and Josh Wilgis. And you can play it with one to four players. The art is by Jared Blando and Anthony Latorno. And it's basically a MOBA-style tower defense game that you can play competitively, cooperatively, or solo. And right. each player is playing this like it, as an asymmetric faction, and you're in this like floating realm, and you're trying to defend your fortress and then take down your opponent's fortress. But what's so cool about it is that the board is made up of these neoprene terrain maps that just have amazing art and you, you set up a bunch of these little uh, terrain path, like neoprene mats, all together to kind of build out the board. And you'll end up having, like, a kind of a stone path to each other yeah. fortress in the game. But then there, there are also there are parts that look like trees and green grassy areas and, you know, bodies of water and forests. And the, the art style on these neoprene mats is just really, really cool. Like, it kind of, like, just makes you feel like you're really, like, marching towards something, like right. you're on an adventure. And, you know, Chip Theory, I don't own it, but Chip Theory has this, like, this playmat that they sell for the game um, that is, like, it looks like a blue sky <laughs> with clouds. So then when you, yeah. when you put the mats on that, like, it feels like you're in this, like, floating like island kind of thing and it just even more so like immerses you into like what you're doing in the game and uh for anyone not familiar with chip theory games all of their games use poker chips as a core component so yes so yeah so you'll have these like different hero chips and minion chips that have very cool artwork on them too and then they have i think they're like health and defense and underneath yeah you can
1: kind of yeah, and the stack underneath. Yeah. And you have this like big old stack that's moving around that represents your character's everything, which is really neat.
0: Yeah. And like a lot of their games for me are like some of the like the best like tactile experience for gaming.
1: Absolutely. Those chips
0: feel so good to move around and it's kind of like the gameplay can be kind of puzzly in terms of like who you're moving, when and where. But like to me, that that art on those neoprene mats is just so cool.
1: They do a good job, and I feel like it's not always easy to get really good, um, like resolution. I feel like on a neoprene mat, right? Just because it's not as you know, it's harder to print on. I imagine they do a really good because they always rock the neoprene. Yes, <laughs> and they do a really good job. And then yeah, even those chips themselves have cool art on them. Yeah. If you kind of take a take a second to look at just beyond the information that's that's on there, Cloudspire in particular, I feel like is. Kind of their high watermark in terms of the art, um yeah. and stuff. In terms of the boards themselves coming together, like, of course, too many bones has cool, cute art in the the different right, locks and right. Stuff, but, but yeah, but uh, the gear locks, but but the yeah, cloud wire is tight, right? But like <laughs> the
0: main board for too many bones is just kind of like a grid, sort yeah. of. Yeah, you're not, you're not, yeah. you're not really getting that same uh, flavor, and it it just looks right. It looks epic, and like when you're, you know, moving your your heroes. Th- through down the path and making your way around. And then also, there are chips that you lay out on the board that represent like uh, monuments, and I think like some yeah. kind of fountains or wells that you can kind of tap into and uh, do some exploring and everything. So, yeah, so, yeah. so that's Cloudspire.
1: Good pick. Yeah. Cloudspire is suitably epic. We, uh, and that mat, the, the sky mat is humongous. <laughs> it's so <Yeah>. big. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Cloudspire is a fantastic choice. My next pick is, uh, from 2022, uh, and it's Flamecraft. Um, oh, yeah. This is nice. one that, like, I started hearing people talk about this long before I came across it myself. And, um, It started delivering to people uh, late last year, and then we we got to um, get a copy, and I see now why people are excited. So this is designed by Manny Vega. We have uh, Sandara Tang as the artist, and it's published by Cardboard Alchemy, and then Lucky Duck Games helped kind of distribute it out our way as well. And this is a game, again, kind of – I was talking about Everdell kind of ushering in this era of, like, cozy, appealing, sweet games – it's a game about like a world where humans and dragons are living like comfortably <laughs> together and actually working together to the point where you have like art artisan dragons who like, you know, help like work in a, in a blacksmith or bake bread and stuff like that. <laughs> and the art is just adorable. Cause you have like people, the the different stores you are going to, cause in the game you're kind of moving your dragon around from store to store to either collect resources or then enchant shops and kind of make them more powerful. So they produce more resources for people. And it's just like, there's not many like board game worlds that I would want to live in more <laughs> than Flamecraft. crack we're like True that. if I can go over here and like get a salad and have a dragon like working in the kitchen toasting stuff up and whatnot I'm like please That's let awesome. me live there that sounds amazing there's coffee and cakes and things and life is just good so yes <laughs> uh, when I finally got to play this game I was struck by like how light it is. It's incredibly light. Yeah. Very family weight game. Uh, You're either gathering some resources or kind of spending those resources to enchant those buildings. And then you can play some like dragon cards and they give you like a little bit of an ability and stuff as well. But there's not much that you have to really think about. So you just get to enjoy The kind of sweetness that this game is. And this is kind of my now moving forward go to game to like introduce to someone who's interested to know more about board games, but they haven't played many yet. I'd be like, I'm going to start you right here. (laughs) Yeah. There's high appeal with the art, it's easy to get into and learn it's just a home run all the way across the board and the art absolutely helps sell it like this game will create board gamers guaranteed
0: awesome and that is so so cool that's awesome. Awesome. Flamecraft. Yeah. Flamecraft. Gorgeous. Yes. gorgeous, And yeah, that is like a fun world. <laughs> like I just for yeah. a second started imagining like living in that world. And you're right. Be that, amazing. Be happy. Yes. Very happy. And
1: yeah, The red dragon on the cover is just like flaming up a kebab. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> let me eat that, please.
0: Uh, um, <laughs> another. Speaking of games that kind of can get people into the hobby, my next game is a party game called Dixit.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Talk about art. Yeah, Dixit, there Dixit, <laughs> Dixit,
0: man. Dixit was originally released in 2008. It won the Spiel des Jahres in 2010. Um, And then I have the standalone expansion Dixit Odyssey, which came out in 2011. Nice. It is designed by Jean-Louis Rubira and it's published by Lebelud. I am probably, Lebelud, I'm, yeah, I don't yeah. know if I'm pronouncing that Lebelud, right. Lebelud, yeah. And uh, the original game's artwork is by uh, Marie it, but then there are like okay. tons of different artists that have worked on, you know, they, Dixit has so many different expansions. It's a party game for three to 12 players where you have this deck of art cards. They're like, maybe they're tarot size. I don't know the exact size, but they're like kind of large cards that they're beefy. have this like mesmerizing art. You know, some of them are, like, way better than others, but, like, the, the art on these cards is so cool. And each turn, you know, one player is going to be a storyteller. You'll have a hand of these beautiful art cards. And then uh, if you're the storyteller, you're going to secretly choose a card from your hand, put it face down. And then you're going to say a word or a sentence or phrase that, you know, comes to mind when you think about the the art that's on that card, And then everybody else has their own hand of cards and now they're gonna have to pick a card from their hand that kind of fits that clue that the storyteller gave. And when you're giving a clue as a storyteller, you don't wanna be too obvious and you don't wanna be uh, too obscure either uh, because the goal is to get at least one person around the table to um, correctly guess yours. But if everybody guesses yours, you don't get any points because of the way the scoring system works and you're kind of you're incentivized to pick a card that uh, that really fits well if you're you know not the storyteller because you also get points if people then vote for your card. And I guess I didn't mention that. after everybody puts a card in, storytellers gonna shuffle them up and reveal them and then everybody's gonna secretly pick which one they think is the storyteller's card. So mm. if if uh, Nick is the storyteller, but Mike put in a really good card, I might pick Mike's because I thought it was the storyteller's card, you know, <laughs> um, but it's it's a really fun party game that this was like a pre pre gateway game for me. Uh, probably yes. like this did not get me into the hobby. Like I just I still didn't know other games existed, really. <laughs> but but oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah. But somebody told me about this game and I bought it and. I brought it, I remember the year that I bought it, I took it to our Joshua Tree like Thanksgiving trip, and cool. it was just such a hit, and it became kind of a tradition for any time we went to Joshua Tree for Thanksgiving, we'd bring Dixit, play Dixit on Thanksgiving Day, you know, it can play with so That's many people. Awesome. But the, the key takeaway is the art on the cards. The art on the cards is just so fantastic. You will be, it's just exciting to get your hand of cards, and- to like look at them and then it's fun to think of like oh what kind of clue can i associate with this this card you know or like it's it's yeah it's 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 really cool and um again like when i would start buying expansions for it i would intentionally not look at like all the cards i would just kind of shuffle it in and then be surprised when i draw them and i'm like oh look look at my new cards it's a game that Look, you know, it makes the game more memorable. Like when people think about Dixit, you are thinking about that art. And it's like, you could have had this game, you know, the same game and had like some kind of like cheesier art or different art. But right. the art style just like really makes it pop.
1: I agree. And it served, it served as like the inspiration for so many other games. Like so many other games use that kind of trippy, really interesting and ultimately very beautiful kind of dreamlike cards. Yes,
0: dreamlike. And I feel
1: like every game that does that, you're like, oh yeah, it's like Dixit, right? Like that's the, (laughs) you know, like that's the Kleenex of that type of art. Yes. (laughs) Uh, We're like, oh, it's like Dixit art, right? And like, yeah, I kind of like that, you know? It's the thing you always measure up against. And um, yeah, good on it. Because those cards, those cards are all insane, and wonderful yeah
0: <laughs> like how did she think this up i don't i don't know but it's like <laughs> it's one of those things where it's uh, my box is all like busted i have like duct tape oh, yeah. around it and everything yeah and i just have like so many cards in there but i'm still like i think i'm missing some expansions so i might need to there's a lot of content i know i know i, I can't get enough of it and i i haven't played it in a, a while but i feel like it's just a great game. To, you know, a lot of people, you know, especially with like non-experienced gamers, it's easy to get into and for people yeah. to just jump in and have a good time. So uh, that is yeah. Dixit.
1: Very nicely picked. Uh, my next one is, uh, you know, it's my again, this is sort of an order. I guess it's my number two. But ultimately, I don't know of a game that has much better art because this game actually started off as a world created by Mr. Cuttington. Uh, and this is title blades heroes of the reef. Ooh. So this is a big old kind of worker placement dice chucking. One of those kind of hybrid between an Amerithrash and like a Euro game game set in this wonderful, like water world with all these sort of like semi kind of anthropomorphized aquatic creatures um, that are beautifully rendered by uh, the husband and wife team that is Mr. Cuttington. So cool. This game for me is so cool because A, it's a colorful, wonderful water world and it's fun. And there's people that ride jet skis and they do like stunts, and they're you they kind of do like American gladiator style <laughs> challenges. It's awesome. just a really fun, interesting world. But I love that uh this is produced by Druid City Games and Skybound Games and designed by Tim and Van Eisner. I like that James Hudson from Druid City Games originally approached Mr. Cuttington and said, like, hey, what are y'all working on art-wise? Like, what's a world that you want to create? And based on that, we will then figure out a game to fit in that world. That's
0: cool. And I just
1: haven't heard of something going that wow, direction. Wow,
0: that's cool. <laughs>
1: you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I don't and, think I have And am like, Wow. And I like that on the cover it says like art and world building by Mr. Cuttington because that really is what it is. Like you created a whole kind of mythos wow. that now has spawned a uh, two other games and an RPG Dope. all from like this art. And I'm like, I can't think of art that's been necessarily more impactful than for Tidal Blades because wow. that literally is the genesis of everything else.
0: That's um, awesome.
1: Yeah, it's just really neat. It's a fun worker placement game where you're getting kind of a pool of dice and you are attempting challenges as you roll kind of these dice faces on these uh, while you attempt these challenges. You'll get to up your skills in these four different areas and you can kind of do more and more in the future. There's monsters that are invading that you can go fight, which directly leads into the part two of title blades, uh, which is kind of a dungeon delving game. There's just so much to explore, but like the through line between all of it is that beautiful art. So Wow. Uh, again, talking about worlds I'd want to live in. I'd want to at least vacation here. It seems <laughs> lovely. <laughs> so <laughs> that's Tidal Blades Heroes of the Reef, man.
0: Oh man. So so Mike, I have never played a Tidal Blades game before.
1: They're pretty fun. That's, they're pretty fun. They're big splashy games. Yeah. They're they're um they're kind of wild. Tidal Blades is an insane production. It's just very big and, and brassy and uh kind of wonderful. So I have Tidal Blades. If you're ever keen. I need play. to come we by I
0: need to come by for a game day with uh you guys. Come sometime. chill. Yeah.
1: We'll roll it out. We got the deluxe version. It's fantastic. Uh yeah, it was well worth the wait on Kickstarter. So uh Tidal Blades, here's the reef. I'm like, just keep coming out with stuff because yeah. Big games, small games, they have um, Title Blaze Banner Festival, which is kind of a card-based game. Yeah, it's Nick very told me about that. It's a
0: trick-taking game, yeah. right? Yeah. That yeah, sounded awesome. Yeah.
1: It's awesome, because it's still set in this there, world. It's a great world.
0: <laughs> that's so cool. And actually, you yeah. bringing up Tim and Ben Eisner reminded me of Wonderland's War, which yep. uh, also has dope artwork, but
1: yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, that's a good one. I, did, good I, d- I don't really. know how I didn't Maybe. think
0: of that for this list. <laughs> but there's, the art just, there's is no incredible.
1: there's no shortage yeah. of games you could talk about, really. Yeah, <laughs>
0: we could probably do multiple parts of this conversation. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> um Wow, that's cool. And yes, I need to play Title Blades games, all of them.
1: Get after it, yeah. It's great.
0: Uh so uh my next game is Root. Oh, good pick. Right, right. Yep. Thank you. Yep. So root, like to me, and I could have easily said oath, probably too, but sure. but root is a game from uh, Leader Games, designed by Cole Worley, came out in 2018. The art is by Kyle Farron and it is so good. Yeah, it's it, Kyle's art style is just so unique and adds such a flavor to everything that he illustrates and touches. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: But yeah, but like, so Root, the base game, you can play with two to four players, but with different expansions, I think you could go from one to six and it is the most adorable looking war game.
1: (laughs) It is. It's a vicious, I mean, it's It's a real legit base off coin games war game, but it looks so sweet. Yeah, it does look,
0: it does look sweet. Um, it's not. <laughs> uh, it is not. <laughs> but in Root, all players kind of control uh, their own asymmetric faction, and you're battling to gain control of the vast woodland. And each faction functions completely differently, like completely differently yep. and scores points differently. And the game is just like really awesome. And it has so many expansions at this point. I need a big box or some something to store it all There's- in.
1: Yeah, there's no shortage so, of content there, that's for sure.
0: But but to me, the, the art really brings it to life and like gives it such a vibe. Like if you were to picture playing a game that has all the mechanisms and the gameplay elements of root, but with like some kind of like different art or toned-down art. Yeah, it just yeah. it just wouldn't pop the way it pops, and that that's not saying that like the mechanisms are great, like the game is dope, but like just like that art combination uh, with the game just really really elevates it. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the card art is fantastic. The game board, you know, they're different game boards, but like the the original one has like the, you know this forest and it has paths to these different clearings, and it's just really well illustrated. And there's another side that has the snowy side.
1: Oh, it's a beautiful.
0: And again, like I could have easily said oath, but I've just played Ro- Root more. And um, as far as I know, that was like Cole and Kyle's first like partnership, board game baby together.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, what a what a way to hit the ground running.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so I had to I had to get Root on this list.
1: Oh, that's such a good pick. Thanks. Yeah, Kyle is such a un, like, wonderful distinct style it's so neat you know and like with root yeah it kind of makes these critters are kind of scrappy they kind of like there's almost like a a roughness with the way that kyle draws that just works well for the kind of action you're seeing in root yes and, and the color choice animates it or something I think, yeah yeah it's just so neat it's really really um just catches your eye like right away when root came out everyone was just like or, or when it was first announced even they're like what is this you know what's this little raccoon doing with a knife you know like don't worry about that yeah i'm going to get you in the dark you know
0: (laughs) yeah and you you like i don't know i don't know about anybody else but like i can't think about root without also thinking about this artwork you know like it's just like i
1: fully agree it wouldn't i just and that's not to say that's not like a well-designed game it absolutely is but i just can't see it being what it is without the art and the theming Mm -hmm. and you know because it's uh it's yeah it's a brutal war game ultimately
0: so what's your, what's your last game you want to mention? My last,
1: my last game that I have to mention, I'd be remiss if I didn't. This is Shakespeare from 2015
0: Ooh. Um,
1: from Yastari Games and uh, Herb Regal and Arnaud uh, Demeg and Nariak are the artists. Um, this is a game all about putting on uh, a play. You are, you are Shakespeare and various members from Shakespeare's works uh, as your actors and you are trying to rehearse a play, get that script together, get everyone costumed up and build a set. And so hopefully, have the most prestigious play. So the queen will come to see your play <laughs> and not your opponent's. This game, A, like as a theater nerd growing up in high school and, and going to college for a theater and stuff like that, uh, obviously the theme is has high appeal so <laughs> for me. And I did yeah. like Shakespeare in the Park during the summer. That's awesome. And things. Um so there's just so much kind of like that captures my heart but the art of this game is the coolest it is uh, just it's all capturing people and stuff and you have like certain people are like the workers like the seamstress and the set designer and stuff and they're kind of like these you know these workers and things but all the actors that you can put your workers on and activate in the game are shakespearean characters so they're not like a person playing Puck ah. it's just Puck or King Lear and, um, to see, they're just all so perfectly rendered for like what Beatrice awesome. is from much ado about nothing. I'm like, that's what Beatrice should look like. <laughs> like, that's the style. That's, awesome. that's the vibe. That's the energy. The attitude King Lear is just like racked with like madness and sorrow. And like, it's really evocative art. And I'm just like, they just captured it so well. They captured this world that I know. And imbued these characters with life and the art i can't even (laughs) think hardly of a better of a better um, more perfectly tailored for me yeah
0: yeah
1: (laughs) all right so for me this enhances the game so much to have these characters and like that you recruit Ah, i can't get over it
0: so shakespeare man so mike i'm pretty sure the reason i own shakespeare is because of you and Nick. Like I think, like I remember, been like talking for a
1: long time. exactly.
0: And like <laughs> early on, when I, jo- you know, got into the hobby, I was watching yeah. a lot of your videos, your top ten videos. You guys were talking about. Yes. You influenced me a lot, <laughs> and yes. uh, I, I got Shakespeare at some point. I still have awesome. not played it. Sad, sad face, <gasps> oh sad gosh. face. But I will tell you this: of every time that I go to like call games and sell games. I never sell that like I was I I, like I've never tried. Yeah, I've never once wanted to sell that because I want to play it like I want to play it real bad. I love that. It's like a unique theater theme and like just I love worker placement games. And like, again, you guys have talked about it so much that I'm like, I really want to try this game. So thank you for bringing that up. Like, I don't even remember. I know what the cover looks like, but I don't remember what all the cards look like. But that's so sometime. cool yeah. that it like pops for you like that. And now that's reminding yeah. me I have to play this game. I have to play it.
1: You do. If ever you sell it, here's the thing you can sell it for a ton of money because it's woefully unavailable. Oh, no, <laughs> but I'm not um, unfortunately. It. <laughs> so I mean, you know, if you ever ever, ever, ever you're on hard time, yeah. I'm just saying you got something <laughs> in the back pocket, but it's just beautiful. And again, it kind of speaks to like my sensibilities and and my history with theater. Um, it's just perfectly tailored. I mean, this game helped bring me into the hobby so much deeper because I was like, whoa, this theme seems like it was made for me. That game feels like it was made for me to enjoy. And there's that game exists for everybody. There's some game out there for every single person out there that's like, this is for me and me alone. Shakespeare is that game for me.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
1: Yeah. What's your final game, Candice? What do you got?
0: Okay. So a little bit of setup. Last year, 2022, I was at a private gaming convention and I walked by a table where people were playing this awesome looking game. And I was like, what is that game? And that game was Feudum. Feudum. Oh, yeah. Feudum, Good pick. Feudum is kind of a beastie game. And I had heard of it like I had heard about it before. And I just remember people saying, oh, it's so complicated. Oh, it's so complex. So I kind of never wanted like like I was never itching to really try it. I always thought the box cover looked cool, but I I don't think I had seen it set up on the table in action. And it just drew me in. I wasn't even playing the game. So Feudum is a 2017 release um, designed by Mark Swanson. And published by uh, Odd Bird Games. And the art is by Justin Schultz. And let me tell you, after I walked by that table, I became obsessed with I needed to play Feudum. And I (laughs) started watching videos to kind of get, I started reading the rules. And I was like, I must play Feudum. I must play Feudum. Um, Uh I ended up getting a copy of Feudum. And then I was like, who am I going to play Feudum with? I found people, um, I happen to know a handful of people who really enjoy Feudum. So I was like, let's play Feudum. So I scheduled a game and we played a four player game and it was awesome. It rocked my brain and I just, I wanted to play it more. So then I found other people who were like wanting to play it more. And then so I, I set up like a little like Discord channel with a couple friends, Let Feudum Ring. Nice. It's called Let Feudum Ring. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, hey, I want to play this game once a month. Who's down to play on like, I don't know, maybe it was like August 19th or whatever. And I wasn't expecting everybody to say, yeah, I'm down. So I ended yeah. up having, we ended up doing a playing a six player game. Of Feudum on a Tuesday night. People showed up. They had no idea they were about to play a six player game of Feudum. And Uh. I was like a little bit nervous. I'm like, "Uh oh, like, are we doing this? And we (laughs) did it. And it only took like three to three and a half hours. So I'll say that first. That's
1: amazing. Really. But
0: there's a reason. And it's because I have a rule with Feudum now. And um, I'm publicly stating this now, even though I've said this to many people before. But I will not teach feudum. I will not teach feudum. I will not have a teach when I play feudum. If you are interested in playing feudum with me, you have to do your homework and learn the rules and and like watch a (laughs) video because I'm telling you, like the people who make it like I feel like who have a rough experience with it, they're probably mostly people who are going. And getting a teach of that game, and the teach can be really long, and then you're overwhelmed, and you go into the game, and you're not going to have an enjoyable experience. But if you learn it on your own at your own pace, and it's not even like that, the rules aren't that crazy. Like I'm not, you're not going to be like (laughs) reading a lot of
1: stuff. To there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a
0: lot of stuff kind of going on together. But that's why if you like read the rules on your own or watch a video, and then you come to the table. We can answer any like little questions here and there, but you just jump into the game and it's such like such a pleasant experience. Every game that I've played uh, or (laughs) just two at at this point, but like both games I've played have been so smooth and fun because everybody just comes to the table and we're like, let's go. We play the game. And so that is my, that is my recommendation for anybody who's ever been interested in playing Feudum um who's been intimidated by like people saying oh it's so complicated it's like real like when you do it this way it's really doesn't feel that like heavy of a game i'm i'm actually quite shocked at like how it has like a over four complexity rating because it's like
1: it's like 4.6 it's way up it's just it's (laughs) a
0: it's a little it's it's different it's a little different and um but anyway i kind of got ahead of myself so Feudum is an economic medieval fantasy game with some area influence and hand management and resource management. And, you know, basically you have this beautiful board. Oh, the board is beautiful. The rolling hills, there are mountains and rivers and lakes. And one of the things that is, I will admit, like can be a little bumpy with <laughs> Feudum is that there are some rules where, like, you'll travel on different waterways with different vessels. And because the art is so good, um, it it can interfere and cause some confusion with like, oh, are those bubbles where my submarine can travel? Or are those swans, you know? But the the art is just so um, mesmerizing and the game board itself is a long board. So it's like not a really common size. And then you have these, these six guilds on the edges of the board and it has this like really neat kind of economic cycling system where you can push and pull resources out of one guild right. to an adjacent one, which that's like, that's something that's different. But it's not like, like once you understand and you're like, oh, so if I have the most influence and in I'm the guild master here, so I can push these resources here. Like it's not that complicated. Right. And I, I, I say this, I play heavier games and everything. It, it it can be very complicated for a lot of people but i'm just i guess i'm saying it's more approachable than you would think if you kind of don't go in not knowing anything and go and sit through like probably an hour teach and then you're like what did i just i learned all this stuff and now i'm playing this game i don't know what i'm doing so if you can like learn it ahead of time and then go sit down then your brain can sit there and just you know enjoy figuring out what you want to do and how you want to play versus like remembering like some of the different rules so
1: yeah i can i can absolutely Absolutely, second what you just said because <laughs> I played Feudum exactly once. I went into that <laughs> game blind. I did not have a good time yeah. because it was so much stuff to to. It's so much stuff to be downloaded with at one time. I don't think it was actually that much. Like that hard to understand. It was just so many. Oh, because I was looking, I was like, what are the bubbles for? Oh, what's that over there? Oh, right. these birds. Is that <laughs> something you fly? And I'm like, <laughs> and I got to the point where when we started the game, I was just like, I didn't know how the guilds work yeah. on the outside. I'm like, that's how you do like the most of the points stuff. Right. so I did not do well right. in this game. Uh, so I really I appreciate the way that you kind of laid out of how to approach this game, and it's actually got me interested to maybe give it another go. And try to do that and really take in whatever parts I remember in my brain now, kind of learn it slow and then go into a game because one thing I did come away with from that game, having not enjoyed the experience so much was like, man, I love the look of this game so much. (laughs) It looks so amazing and i didn't know what to do with any of it right. but i'm looking at like all four covers right. uh, from the main expansions all become one big piece of art like it's incredible looking it is so fun and kind of cartoony yeah. and weird
0: yes all of that
1: and wonderful yeah this is a great pick but i, I agree i think i think the way you approach this game is very important yes. because it's a heck of a slog if you're going in with no information and someone's trying to explain it to you we played like a Five or six player game. It took a lot ooh, longer than your game ooh. did. I'll tell you that. Yeah, <laughs>
0: if, if you if you have people that like have, and I'll say like when I did when I played the six player game, so it was me. Mm-hmm. I was playing my second game like maybe a month later, and then there were mm-hmm. probably four people who had played Feudum a couple of times, but not in a while, so they kind of refreshed. And then there was one person, uh, who uh he my friend Jason. He always does his homework when he like he always likes like learning the <laughs> game before he comes over anyway. But he, I told him the rule. He did his homework. He showed up at the table. He actually crushed us too. Like we were, (laughs) (laughs) he he was doing kind of like I don't know. We were distracted, I would say. Uh, But he he did a great (laughs) job. And like I said, like it did. It was it was just such a fun experience. Like you have these different like action cards, and you simultaneously are going to pick one that you're going to play each turn, and then you're going to do something, Mm -hmm. and I'll do your action. So it can kind of move. But yeah, you have to have mm-hmm. a foundation for how the guilds work together and just understand the different actions. But yeah, yeah I completely. I, agree. I love the game though. I I really really love it, and I need to get back to my monthly games of this. You know, just
1: to yeah, just to kind of keep call. it fresh
0: because it's like I really enjoy it. Um, the art kind of just like really puts you in a world and gives you you know. You're you're kind of immersed in what's going on because the art on the board, especially, is just so Agreed. good. But the card art, the box cover art, is also really, really awesome. Yeah, so it's
1: just a fun, funky game. Yeah, funky well is the picked, word. Well picked.
0: Yes. Yeah, fun- yeah,
1: but in a good way, in a great, in the yes, best way. <laughs> funky
0: feudum, love it, love it. <laughs> yeah.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about. Board games with elevating art. I'm so glad we didn't have any crossovers because it was like, you know, it's a very subjective thing. So it's just cool to hear other people's opinions on, you know, what games where the art you know, what other games art feels elevating in, because I'm sure you could survey 10 people and have or more people and have, you know, all different lists, which is really, really cool, which is really, really cool.
1: Yeah. That's the very best thing about games in general is like, there's so many different types of game. There's so many different types of art styles and there's going to be something that appeals. I love that every game out there is going to be someone's favorite game and someone's least favorite.
0: Game. Yeah. I think it's great. I honestly awesome. do.
1: I think it's beautiful. And so, yeah, and we could absolutely, I've thought of 10 more games just even talking here today that, that, that were right? worthy of mention. There's so many more still. Right. So well, yeah, thanks for having to, me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It was great talking to you. We'll have to revisit this topic and, I know okay. I know we're both like so busy but hopefully one day this year or at a convention or something we can get some gaming in like I got to do Shakespeare that's that's, Let's that's make it up happen. there that's up I there
1: it. I love it Cool Cool Well, Thanks Mike No problem.
0: You've been listening to the Board Game Geek podcast produced and edited by Candace Harris special thanks to Matt Fonda for editing and mixing our music Be sure to visit us on the web at boardgamegeek.com You can also find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch under BoardGameGeek. You can reach us by email at podcast at boardgamegeek.com. Thanks for listening and happy gaming!